This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. So you've been watching as the matric results have been released and excitement over bachelor's passes and those who have been um, advised to apply here and there and make their choices. We've even spoken to many of those on the air right here on Power Lunch. Well, Vitz University has received more than 140,000 applications from prospective first-time students ahead of the 2024 academic year. However... There's only space for 6,300 students. For more on this, we're joined by Vitz University Registrar, Carol Crossley. And you can call in as well with your process. Perhaps you and your matric, perhaps you are um, a matriculant who has applied, knowing these facts. Um, what are your thoughts? What has your experience been? 0861987000. Carol, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to Power Lunch. Thank you, Pabi, and then thank you to the listeners as well, and um, thank you for the opportunity. So study applications to Wits University increase year after year, and other universities face the same issue. Would you say we're at the point now where the demand is much higher than the available spots at institutions of higher learning? Pabi, certainly that mm. is the situation right now. Just to kind of give you some perspective, last year we had about 128,000 applications uh, for more or less mm. the same number of places. And this year it's gone up to 145,000. And, and as you mentioned, this is not unique to WITS. Mm. It's all the higher education institutions in South Africa are facing huge number of applications. And unfortunately, we just don't have the capacity um, countrywide to be able to cater for all the applicants that wish to attend university. So run us through what the general criteria potential students need to meet looks like. Okay. So generally, universities publish the criteria, the admissions criteria, usually a year in advance. So for the 1st of March 2024, we will have advertised the criteria for for next year. And generally, it works on the matric results. Remember, you get matric results 60, 70, or 80, and there's usually a number to that. It's usually a 6 or a 5 or a Mm 7 or a uh, 4. The way that most universities do it is they have a calculation that kind of adds up those points score, you know, the 6, 5, the 4. Some universities give extra marks for math, some give extra marks for English, and essentially you come out with what is called an APS, Mm. admission point score, and depending on the university, depending on the faculty, and depending on the program, there are particular cutoffs. So, for example, to get to a BCom, we would expect you to do math, not math literacy. We would expect you to do English, both of them at 60% and above. And then we would say you need to have an APS of, let's say, 42 or 43. And essentially, that's how most of the universities um, use their selection criteria or their admissions criteria. So is it true that the majority of the VITS applicants um, were trying to apply for medical courses? So not the majority, but certainly medicine is amongst our most um, desirable in terms of the number of applications for the places that we have available. Right. You know, so yes, we get over 15,000 applications 
for 190 places. Mm. Um, but in terms of what's, uh, what, what attracts the most numbers, our Faculty of Science has a Bachelor of Science. That attracts the most numbers if you're just looking at the numbers. Mm. But in our Bachelor of Science, we have about 12 or 13 different programs. You know, so you've got actuarial science, you've got biological sciences, computational and applied maths. But certainly our medical degree, Bachelor of Medicine and Surgery, is probably the most um, attractingly the most uh, number of applications. Mm. So the academic year is about to begin uh, across the mm. many universities. Last year we saw protests by you, by students against high fees and accommodation issues. What have we noticed so far? Have these issues been resolved, Carol? So I can't say that the issues have been resolved, mm. Pabi. It's an ongoing and and all our listeners will know if you read the newspapers on a daily basis, any of our social media pages, um, the ongoing challenges around funding, around NISFAS, and many of the issues are related to that. So for both returning students as well as first-time entering students, you know, our returning students have got the anxiety of of student debt, not all of them on NISFAS, but there's still the anxiety of not knowing, not having the outcome for whether they've been, whether they will be funded again for this year. Those are our NISFAS students. Um, but then for many missing middle students, um, it's the anxiety of having student debt, and most universities have particular um, rules that state you have to have paid a certain amount in order to register the following year to ensure that we don't have this debt that grows and grows and grows year on, year on as a student progresses through the system. So so in terms of have those been addressed, I think you know it's something that is part of our higher education landscape going into the future, and that's mm. why the initiative around the missing middle proposal is something that is welcomed and it's something that um, we are hoping will certainly help many of our students who are just um, unfortunately not able to register this year because they've got outstanding debt from the previous year. Let's circle back to criteria for a minute. Um, How how seriously do you take the NBT tests, uh, the national benchmark tests? Um, Is it it fair to look at those tests, considering most learners from public schools uh, aren't equipped enough for such a test? So remember, each university will have different criteria for that. At our university, our Faculty of Health Sciences uses the national benchmark test in addition as part of its selection criteria. Our other programs um, don't necessarily insist on it or make it compulsory, but in the Faculty of Health Sciences, because it's part of the Health Sciences um, Consortium, in other words, all the universities who offer health sciences uh, require the students to write the MBTs. So how seriously do we take it? Certainly in our Faculty of Health Sciences, that plays a significant role you know, it's part of the academic criteria for you to be able to get in. In terms of addressing it with regards to um, learners who perhaps might not have access, I know that the MBTs um, consortium have worked hard to ensure that students do have access to write those those particular tests. I know that they run it now online as well as in person. So they try and make it as accessible as possible. Mm. Um, obviously, if a student writes it once, they then use that to apply to all the universities that they want to. In terms of its credibility, 
Um, certainly our Faculty of Health Sciences believes that it's, it's quite a good indicator of the student's competency. We do recognize that some of the private and maybe some of the urban areas certainly um, teach towards that, if I could use that expression, where perhaps they try and get hold of previous questions, where they try and prepare themselves for it. But but ultimately, the MBTs are a test of, of one's ability, um, not of memory or, or anything like that. So um, as things stand and the evidence that we've got there, we certainly can see that the MBT um, is certainly an indicator of a student's ability, mathematical acumen at university. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts as we try to really wrap our minds around the space being available at 6,300 or thereabout and what those applications look like flooding into the university and maybe even some words of advice for those who are not accepted? Yeah. And probably, you know, I was, I was sharing with somebody there um, just earlier on today, you know, it's always a joyous time for the many matriculants who are thrilled and delighted with what they've achieved, and we celebrate with them. But it's also at the same time for many applicants, for many matriculates, it's immensely disappointing. They didn't mm. get the marks they wanted. They have aspirations to attend a particular organization, institution. They don't get in. And I think I'm hoping that for many of them, they had a plan B, a plan A, and a plan C yeah. so that they can look at that. I also would recommend, we know that in case um, applicants are not aware of this, it's called CASH. It's the Central Applications Clearinghouse, and I would certainly encourage them to Google that. So from the 26th of January, anybody who hasn't got in at the university that they wanted to, um, the CASH makes it, uh, access, gets access to the database that says, listen, there isn't place at this university, but there may be at that university mm. or that organization. And it's not just universities, it's really the post-schooling education environment. So it takes other institution types into consideration as well. So I would encourage matriculants to look at cash. And then obviously, if they haven't done well enough this year, they may want to consider rewriting or upgrading some mm. of their subjects. And sometimes I have learned that plan B or plan C actually becomes your plan A and, and you can forge a career out of that plan B or plan C. Absolutely. It's almost the first lesson you have in, in kind of listening to how dynamic life can be. So that's very interesting. Thank you very much for your time and all the best for this academic year. Thank you, Papi. Be well. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.